parable of the sower. Let's dig into that. That's the main thing we want to talk about tonight. Uh, Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 4 is where we'll be starting here in just a moment. Again, just to rehearse where we were uh, last week. Uh, one of the best known parables in the New Testament, the essence of a parable is that of this particular parable is that our response to the Word of God is essential to our spiritual growth. If you wanted to summarize what this passage is about, what this text is about, this parable, it's simply this, our response, thank you so much, our response to the Word of God is essential to our spiritual growth. The way that you respond to what you hear on Sunday mornings the way that you respond to what you hear on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, the way that you respond to the Word of God is essential to your spiritual growth, but not just what you hear me say. The way that you respond to what you study as you're a self-feeder, as you're reading the Word of God for yourself, your response to God's Word really determines the depth of your spiritual growth. There's a direct correlation between what you hear or what you read how you respond and, and what your life is like. So, in this parable, Jesus taught us how to let the Word of God have its maximum impact. And I, and I outlined the parable for you. Let me do it again, because some of you were not here. In the first four verses, kind of gives us the background behind the parable, kind of the story behind the story. And then verses 5 through 8 is the parable itself. And then in verses 9 through 15 is the parable or the explanation of the parable. And thank goodness for the explanation of the parable, because otherwise... Sometimes we're left guessing. And so, <clears throat> let's just read the text in Luke chapter 8. We're going to begin uh, in verse 1 to get the background again. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, <clears throat> and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. The women are listed, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. And then this interesting note, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. You know, and I mentioned this last week, but let me just throw it out again, or maybe a little bit different slant. Even if you're the son of God, you've got to pay for your food somehow, right? You, you got, sometimes you've got to pay for your lodging, you 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 got to pay for, for different things. So, so even if you're the son of God and you want everything in the whole world, financially, you, there has to be some coins in your pocket. And one of the ways that there were coins in his pocket was that those who he helped, helped him. And specifically, we're, we're told here that some women who, whose lives were radically changed, these women traveled with him some, and they, they supported the work that he was doing out of their own means. A very interesting note there. Then, while what kind of a crowd was gathering here, church? What kind of a crowd? A large crowd was gathering. People were coming to Jesus from town to town. He told this parable. That's an important sentence to set up the parable. A large crowd was gathering. And I'm, I'm imagining that the disciples, again, were pretty happy. I, I've never seen very many people get sad about a large crowd. I've never seen very many people get discouraged because there's a large crowd. When there's a large crowd, we get excited. When there's a large crowd, we're happy about it. And I'm imagining that the disciples probably were pretty happy to see the large crowd gathering. It's like, man, this is amazing. This is spectacular. Look at what is happening. 
And in that context, Jesus knowing every man's heart and knowing the, the slant of his disciples that perhaps they'd get too carried away by the large crowd, he wanted the disciples to understand that though the crowd is large, the commitment sometimes is small. Though there's a large group of people, the percentage of people within that group who would be devoted followers was quite small. That was probably hard for the disciples to, to understand. It was hard for them to grasp. No, 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 no. Don't you see? Don't you see everybody that's coming? Don't you see people that are following us? Don't you see that there are people coming from every town and village in this area? Don't you see that the word is getting out about who you are and what you've done and the power that you have? There are large crowds coming from everywhere. And Jesus was saying, yeah, but. In that large group, there is a very small group who will actually do something with what they hear. You know what? Listen to me, church. That's true every Sunday morning. And not just at Mount Airy, but on almost any church you go to. In the very large group, there's a very small group who will actually do something with what they hear. And what we do with what we hear determines what God does in and through us. Uh, did I bring, I was going to bring a book out, and I think I left it in my office. <clears throat> Warren Wiersbe, I was reading him, and Warren Wiersbe said something like this. He said, have, have you ever wondered, with all the Bible teaching and with all the Bible preaching that occurs every week, have you ever wondered or ever gotten discouraged that the response is as small as it is? He said, have you ever wondered why the response is so small? All the Bible preaching, all the Bible teaching happening every week. I mean, it, just, it would just seem like, my goodness, everybody gets saved every day, every week. He said, you know the reason that that doesn't happen? The reason it doesn't happen is because of what Jesus taught in the parable of the soils. In fact, Jesus said, and this, this, is, this is what gives me great comfort as a pastor and as a teacher, Jesus said, whenever I'm teaching, I'm expecting three out of four not to respond. This is Shorter's translation of, of the parable. Jesus said, whenever I'm teaching, I'm expecting three out of four will not do very much with what I teach them. Three, now, if you're a BSF class teacher, don't let that discourage you. Because... Look at the other side. There is at least one out of four who says, I'm hungry for that. I need that. That's going to change my life. Now, it'd be great if it was four out of four, wouldn't it? That's what we want. But in reality, Jesus said, as the large crowd was gathering around, Jesus said, in reality, about one out of four, about 25%, actually do something with what they hear and stick with it. So, that's the context. Now, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take um, <clears throat> this chart, and we're going to fill it out and just work our way through the text to make sure that, that you understand what a parable is. Let me review that and give you a little bit new information that I did not give you last week, but I, I want to make sure that you understand what a parable is. A parable, the word parable, you might want to just write this down somewhere, maybe on the back of the sheet. The word parable means to cast alongside, all right? To cast alongside. This is a weak illustration, but maybe it'll give you at least a, a word picture. 
The word parable means to cast alongside. And here, here's the idea, that I take something that you know. Let's say that this piece of paper represents something that you're familiar with. I take something that you're familiar with. I take something that you know, and I place it down, and you understand this thing. And then I place the spiritual truth alongside it to help you understand that spiritual truth. You, I use this to help you understand this spiritual truth. So, so in a parable, it's a story where he takes something that is familiar to help us understand that which is not familiar. Now, the reason that's important, when you're reading a parable, not everything in the parable has to mean something. That's the reason earlier I said, I thank God that he tells us what this parable means. In a parable, not every portion of the parable has to, you know, okay, what do the bugs mean in the corner? It didn't matter. It's just part of the story, all right? And, but the story is, is used to help you understand the spiritual truth. So, <clears throat> one other sentence about that. A parable starts off, I love this, I got this from Warren Wiersbe. He said, a parable starts off as a picture that is familiar. It starts off as a picture that is familiar. But it becomes a mirror where we see ourselves. Starts off as a picture that is familiar, and that picture becomes a mirror in which we see ourselves. The message this morning is an example of that. The message this morning was a parable that Jesus told. And, and it was a familiar picture that they were, it was a, a picture they were familiar with in that day. That this man was in debt and, and he couldn't pay his debt and he was going to have to go to debtor's prison and the, the master decided to forgive his debt, to cancel his debt and send him loose. And, and, and the people in Jesus' day, they understood that. That was a, a familiar picture to them. But he used that familiar story to help them understand the spiritual lesson. All right? So, any questions about parables before we dig into this parable? All right. Get your chart. I'm just going to give you the first, <clears throat> the first row going from the top left there where it says soil. We're going to work our way across just to catch some of you up because you weren't here last week. And then we'll just work our way through the text. I need your participation tonight. So in the first block there under soil is the word path. Path. <clears throat> Look at verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 12. This is the parable. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so confused. I've done so much this afternoon. Did I read the whole thing to you earlier? I did not. All right, All right. Let's, let's try that again. Let's try that again. <clears throat> I stopped at verse 4, didn't I? All right, let's go to verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I love this next statement. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. 
Jesus had, he just told this wonderful story, and he says, now he who has ears, let him hear. This is important. I hope you got that. And the disciples are looking at one another, and they said, explain that to us. I mean, we heard it. Can you explain it? So he does. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Now, make sure you understand that in every one of these soils, each soil, the seed is the same. The seed does not change. The seed is the word of God. All right? Verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So let's work our way across that top line. Again, catching some of you up. The soil in the first block there under soil is path. And I put two little bullet points. It's trampled on and the birds ate it. The meaning, what does that mean? Those who hear, uh, then the devil takes away the word from their heart so that they will not be saved. So the question is, are they a Christian in this text? Are they a Christian? No, clearly not. That's an easy one. Opposition. Do they experience any opposition in this story? What's the opposition? Satan coming in the form, in the, in the story form, in the bird taking the seed away. So Jesus said, you need to understand that when the word is sown, when you try to share the gospel, when you're trying to teach the gospel, when the gospel is being preached, you need to understand that as you're active preaching and teaching God's word, Satan is active too. Trying his best to take what has been sown in your heart, snatch it so that you will not respond to it and believe and be saved. So the response is, there's no response. This person is not saved. Jesus said, so when the, when the word is put forth, sometimes that's the, that's the response. Then he goes on to talk about the rock. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think this is pretty much where we, we got stopped last time. Verse 13. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> we didn't go across on the rock, right? Okay. All right. Did, we, we had gone across on the path, though, right? Okay. All right. So we're, we're called up now. So the rock is the next type of soil. And in this situation, the seed grew, but it withered. Now, tell me according to verse 13 what that represents. What does that mean? They believed for a while. In fact, it says in the text, they, they received the word with what? They received the word with joy. And they believed for a while. In time, they fall away. Why do they fall away? What, it, it's skipping the block now. The opposition. Why do they fall away? Say that. That time of testing. So they receive the word with joy. They, they hear the preacher. They hear the teacher. They, they read it for themselves. They receive the word with joy. They say, that's really good. That's life-changing. That's great. I want that. They receive the word with joy. They're excited about it. But in a time of testing, they fall away. Which, going back now to this other block about Christian, are these people Christians? What do you think? No. No. Let's, let's, let's look why. Look again at verse 13. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while. 
in time of testing, they fall away. That, that phrase, they believe for a while, is, is the key. They believe for a while, and then they fall away. There is a, such a teaching in the Bible of the, the perseverance of the saints, that you persevere in your faith. That uh, I think it was D.L. Moody that said, a faith that fizzles had a fatal flaw from the first. You might want to remember that one. Faith that fizzles had a fatal flaw from the first. That if it's a genuine faith, it will endure. If it's a genuine faith, it will last. And, and so, as far as the response, here's how I would describe their response. Their response was emotional. Having an, an emotional response. They received the word with joy. Had a, an emotional response to what they heard. But it, there was no root. It didn't take root in their life. Now, without... Without asking you to name names, I certainly don't want you to name names, but can you picture anybody like this? You know anybody like this? It's like, you know, they went to revival and they were so excited, but a week or two later, I just didn't see them anymore. But, well, you know, they, 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 they said that they received Christ, and, and <clears throat> but you know, about a month later, her father got cancer, and I've never seen her back at church since then. I'm just making up stories. I'm not, I don't, I'm not calling up actual people here, but there's probably people like that that you know, more than likely. They received the word with joy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, to a, to a degree it certainly is. Uh, you might even go into the next one as well, but, but certainly... Having that, that type of a head knowledge of, I know the God's word, but has, in fact, it does say in that one that has no root. There's perhaps no heart knowledge there. They don't have that personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. <clears throat> Look at verse 13 again. Uh, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word of joy. When they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they, they fall away. There's no indication that there was any return or anything like that. Again, it's a story. It's a parable. But I think you're exactly right. It would represent those, <clears throat> would not represent those who kind of get away from your walk with the Lord and eventually, you know, when you're 25, you get married and you, you start coming back to church. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. It's just those who, who receive, respond, but, but man, they, they just, when time of testing comes, here, here's what happens. Watch this. When a time of testing comes, when what they believe is tested, it's proven false. When what they believe is tested, they no longer hang on to it. They fall away. When what they believe is tested, they no longer grab hold of it as the answer. They fall away. A faith that fizzles had a fatal flaw from the first. Then we go into the third soil, which is thorns. It's choked by the plants. Look at verse 14 and describe for me the meaning of the, the, the seed that fell among the thorns.
Yeah. They hear the word, but it doesn't mature, and it doesn't mature because it becomes choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Let's just read it, verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. This is the seed that seems to have taken root, but it doesn't mature. Now, the question here, this is the one I want you to talk about. Are they a Christian? Uh-huh. Now, this is where I, I thought we'd get in a little discussion. All right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Maybe so. They don't, do they? That's a good point. Huh? They've taken root. But it says, but they did not mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about people? But the reason they don't mature is not because of time. It's because something else took priority. The riches and the pleasures of the world began to take priority over the word. It wasn't a matter of time. So are these people a Christian? I just want you to discuss it for a moment. Are, are they Christians? These, these folks. Why? Okay, what you saved, you always say. That's true. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's look at a cross-reference. I've, I've given you a blank over there to write down some references. <clears throat> and before we, before we look at these cross-references, I'll give you my answer. On my chart, are they a Christian? Here's what I put. Maybe. <laughs> Just trying to be honest. Just trying to be honest. I do believe, listen to this, I do believe that the proof of salvation is in fruit and not merely in a profession. I I, let me say that again. The, the proof of salvation is fruit and not merely hearing the word or saying you made a profession of the word. Now certainly in these four, these folks are the closest to becoming a, a true follower of Jesus. They hear the word. Uh, they believe the word, it appears. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Something else takes priority, doesn't it? Life's worries, riches, and pleasures become more important than God's word. And so that, that word that they receive never really has a chance to grow, to mature. Now, I told you I got some cross-references for you. Write this down and we'll read it. Luke chapter 6 Verse 43 through 49. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 49. <clears throat> Not a, du a direct correlation, but I think a, a, a good cross-reference. Uh, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Uh, 
people do not pick figs from a thorn bush or grapes from briars. The, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things uh, out of the evil stored up in his heart, for out of the overflow of his heart his mouth speaks. Uh, look at verse 44. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. Now, if you're, if you're in Florida and you see this tree with green leaves and round orange things, what, would you, what kind of tree is that? It's an orange tree. Are you sure it's not an apple tree? No, it's not. I mean, it's, the tree's recognized by its fruit. Now, if you pick that apple, or that orange rather, and you, you, you open it up and it's, it's just rotten, it's just bad, and, and all the other oranges on that tree are rotten or bad, is that a good tree or a bad tree? It's a bad tree. Now, I don't know a whole lot about so don't come and give me a lesson on orange trees. I'm just the illustration, all right? All right. But it's a bad tree. If it's got bad fruit, it's a bad tree. What about your life? I've got this chart in my office that I sometimes use with people that says, what kind of fruit is displayed in your life right now? And there's all these, these words that they can circle, or this and this and this and this. Good fruit or bad fruit? Which, which is it? Good fruit or bad fruit? What kind of fruit's being displayed in your life right now? And they start circling all of these bad things. Is this just something this week or is this? No, that's kind of that's kind of a summary of my life. Trees recognized by its fruit. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. Not consistently, not ongoingly. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. You see, I, I think what we need to ask ourselves sometimes is not, did I make a profession of faith? Sometimes that's the wrong question. I think the right question is, did my decision for Christ change my life? Did my decision for Christ make a difference? Is my life producing good fruit? Maybe I'm just a bad tree producing bad fruit because I really never truly had a life-changing experience with Jesus. Again, I'm not saying if you just got one bad orange that you're, you're not saved. Let me read you another text. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. <clears throat> let's start in verse... Uh, I'll tell you what, let's back up. Um, go back to verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. Not real prophets, false prophets. Pretend prophets prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Not by their profession. By their fruit. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Just what we read in, in Luke. Well, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So the question going back then to this parable 
uh, the, the seed that fell among the thorns, they, they hear the word, but they do not mature. The spiritual growth of the seed is choked out by life's riches and by life's pleasures. Are they a Christian? Many would say, and, and the reason I put maybe is because I'm, I'm still, quite frankly, just, just not sure. But many would say, many that I have studied have said no. Because they're not producing the fruit of a Christian. The worldly pleasures, they're producing the fruit of worldly pleasure. The worldly pleasures and, the, uh, and all that has choked it out. Riches and all those kind of things. Could be. That, that could be. That could be a, a Christian who's backslidden. Absolutely. it's a good point. Now, let's look at the good soil. We, we, we've looked at the negatives. Let's, i got to get back in Luke chapter 8. And I want to look at the good soil. Because <clears throat> this is the part that is amazing. <clears throat> the good soil. The good soil yielded some fruit, as you would expect. He says, but in contrast to all of the things that I've told you, verse 15, but in contrast to everything I've told you, to the other three types of seed, but the seed on, on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, I want you to mark something in your Bible or at least write it down in the meaning section there on your chart. Here, here's what I put on my chart on the meaning section. Those with a noble and good heart, hear the word, retain it, and by perseverance, and underline that, and underline that, by perseverance, produce a crop. What does that phrase, by perseverance, say to you in regard to this teaching? Surviving through the trials. What else? Not instantaneous. So it's over time. Not easy. It's a marathon. Got to stay after it. Exactly. When the weeds come up, you keep cutting them down. When the worldly pleasures begin to tempt you, you keep resisting. When the riches of this world and, and all of those, when, when the trials come, you continue to stand on God's Word. When you're faced with temptations and trials, you continue to go back to God's Word. You continue to live by God's Word. You continue to trust God's Word. You continue to believe God's Word. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. The only way to overcome what has overcome you is by persevering in the Word of God. Overcoming and persevering in the Word of God. So going across our chart, is there opposition? Yes. The opposition, though, is that we overcome it. And the response, that we're fruitful. By the way, on the thorns, the one above that, the opposition was worldly pleasures, and the response was, was simply, it was a worldly response. Now, here's what I want you to see. In all four of these, there was opposition of some sort. In all four of these. So Jesus is telling us in this parable, when the Word of God is sown, when God's Word goes out, you can expect opposition. 
And here's the way, and the title of the study has been Maximizing God's Word in Your Life. So let's finally get to that. How do you maximize God's Word in your life? <clears throat> I'm going to give you what Jesus said, and then I'm going to try to summarize it, then we're going to go home. Jesus said this, you got to hear it, you got to hear it, and folks, can, can, can I say this? One of the reasons that you have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night is giving the opportunity to hear God's Word. You need to take advantage of hearing God's Word. And so you've got to hear it, then you've got to retain it. Tell me one way that you can retain God's Word. Besides just, just studying it, what, how else can you retain God's Word? Memorizing it. Studying it. Memorizing it. Uh, there's... there's there's all kinds. I don't have my phone with me. I've got a phone app, an app on my phone, <clears throat> Scripture Type, I believe is the name of it. I'd highly recommend that app to you. If you want to, if you want to memorize Scripture, uh, I'm working through some Scriptures and I'm using my phone. to. It, it, I won't go into all that, but it, it's a great way to hide the Word of God in your heart. Now, there's other ways. Just write it on the 3x5 card, but you've got to retain it. Sometimes, uh, I did this last week. Sometimes I just write in on a three-by-five card and I put it up on the wall at my desk because I need to retain it. I'm not, I'm not writing it down for your benefit. I'm not writing it down for a sermon. I'm not writing it down for a Bible study. I wrote it down last week. I put it on the card because I needed to retain it. All right, there was a truth that God spoke to my heart about and I wrote that down and I'm holding on to it. If you come to my office with me, I can show it to you. It's still there because I need to retain it and I need to be reminded of it tomorrow morning when I come in because God used that word and I want that seed to take root in my heart. I don't want to just hear it and let it go. I don't want it to be a shallow soil. I want to have the right kind of soil, a noble heart. And so when I saw that word, I wrote down that word because I don't want to just read it and, and try to remember it. I want to retain it. And here's the reason I want to retain it, because it is truth. It's God's truth. Life-changing truth. I don't know about you, but I need that. Jesus said, you, you hear it, you retain it, and by perseverance, just don't stop. Just don't stop. Pastor, have you ever had have you ever had dry times in your Bible study? Oh, yeah. I mean, really. Have you ever had dry times in your personal quiet time? Oh, yeah. I'm sitting down simply because I'm tired. I'm not sick or anything. I'm just tired. Yeah, there's, there's been times from time to time in, in my Bible study I'm going to be real, real frank and honest with you. Time to time in my Bible study, I'm opening the Word just because I know I ought to. You know? I'm not opening the Word, and when I close it, it was because I, I knew I needed to. But I really didn't. It wasn't like, glory, hallelujah, I feel close to God today. When I closed the Word, it was like, okay, I did that. But by persevering every day, doing that, that's when the Word of God has a chance to take root. You see, if you're, if you're just in the Word of God when you feel like it, if you're just in the Word of God when you have goosebumps, you're not going to persevere. Persevere is I open up the Word regardless of what day of the week it is. 
persevere is I open up the word and I study regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of how busy my schedule is, regardless of what's going on in my day. Perseverance is I'm going to spend some time in the word regardless because this is not just a book that man wrote. This is something that God wrote. And if I persevere in it, I'll grow in it. Does that make sense? Not every day is a hallelujah day, but every day is an important day. God's Word. Amen? Let me give you an example of how close we can get and how far away we can be. And I'll close with this story. There was a man who followed Jesus. This is a true story. I'll give you his name at the end. You'll probably figure it out before I get there. There was a man who followed Jesus. And he followed him nearly everywhere. And he listened to probably nearly everything that he taught. And if any man had the opportunity to hear the word of God, it was this man. In fact, he heard the word of God like none of us have ever heard it. I've had the privilege of hearing Billy Graham preach three times, but... That's nothing compared to what this man heard. He didn't hear a man interpreting the word of God. He heard the word of God speak firsthand. And this man actually followed the word and listened to the word and actually lived with the word, with Jesus, for about three years. He walked with him, lived with him. In fact, this man went on some missionary journeys with Jesus. In fact, Jesus sent him out on some missionary journeys. Him and some of his buddies, they, they went out on these missionary journeys and they'd come back and report to him. And Somehow, somehow what he heard never took root. Somehow what he heard was stayed at a shallow level, even though he was hearing it from the lips of Jesus. Somehow, the riches and the pleasures of this world, well, it just became important to him. So much important to him that Judas betrayed his Lord for 30 pieces of silver. See, the truth never penetrated his heart. The truth never penetrated his life. Judas is is an example of how you can hear the word of God and become hard-hearted to the word of God at the same time. It's an amazing thing, really, that you can hear the word of God and become hard-hearted to the word of God. But if it could happen to Judas who followed Jesus and listened to him and watched him and all of that, if it can happen to him, it can happen to any of us. And so Jesus told his disciples and he told us, listen, don't be amazed by the large crowd. There's really a very small group who are going to respond to what I have to say. I hope you decide to respond. I hope you decide, you know, I'm going to persevere. Not every day is a wonderful day in God's Word, but boy, there are some good days. There are some days when, man, when I'm in the Word, it's like, God, I can't believe I've never seen this before. 
there are some days when it's like, God, this is exact. How did you know I needed this? You know? And there are some days when I read something, it's like, I do have the goosebumps. Not every day is like that. But persevere in God's Word. Let it have its maximum impact in your heart and life. Protect your heart. That's the first soil. Protect your heart. Number two, expect a test. When you're trying to follow God's Word, when you're trying to live God's Word, expect a test. Number three, stop the choke. Don't let other things get more important to you and choke out your time in the Word of God. Stop the choke. And number four, receive the Word of God as it is, a word from God. It says on the, on the spine of my Bible here, it says, Holy Bible. There is no other book of which that can be said. Thank you, Lord, for this holy Bible. This holy book. This book that teaches us how to live our lives and God, none of us are perfect at that. None of us do this perfect, do this uh, as great and consistently perhaps as we want to or need to. But may we just be a persevering this week. May we just let the word take root in our heart. May we respond to it, not just hear it. And may we make it, uh, develop that daily habit and that weekly habit of responding to what we hear and what we read and what we see. Responding to what you say to us. And may the fruit be evident. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.